0: everyone! Welcome to Queerly Recommended. I'm Chris Bryant, noted astronaut, and I'm back as usual with Tara Scott. Hello, Tara! Hey, everybody!
1: Can you believe we are actually on episode 15? It feels like two months ago that we were planning this podcast out, and we are halfway through the year.
0: Amazing!
1: So good. So good.
0: So, we have some big news.
1: I got my second vaccine! yes and uh because i got astrazeneca for my first dose i got to mix and match so i hope i have additional superpowers now um so far it mostly just included coughing a little more and (laughs) having achy muscles (laughs) those aren't superpowers
0: they could be i didn't know you can mix and match i did not know that that was a thing
1: yeah you absolutely can and especially because they're trying to get just as many people fully vaccinated as possible especially with like the delta variant scaring the shit out of everybody right and with astrazeneca i think with like the blood clot concerns they uh i didn't even actually have a choice like when i filled out the uh the appointment information they said that I could choose between AstraZeneca because that was my first one and Pfizer. And then when I showed up, they were like, so you're getting Pfizer today. And I was like, well, I'm really glad that's the one that I chose then. Hooray. Uh, and I mean, that was what I wanted anyway, because right. our kids can't be vaccinated yet. And Pfizer is much better at preventing transmission. So I have Pfizer. Right. Very good. I don't know what the portmanteau is. I've seen I've seen Pfizer-Moderna turned into a portmanteau where they like put them together into. I think they called it. Hmm. Um, Fizderna. Fizderna. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like it is. That. I think that really? might be it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just shipping two vaccines. Right?
1: And I can, you know, I can really get behind the idea of shipping vaccines at this point. Like
0: <laughs> they the, I think everybody the, can. Right?
1: It's the Except for the non-vaxxers. Oh. I
0: can't with that here in our country. No. we are so entitled. Ugh.
1: Well. It's especially depressing knowing that, I mean, your country did a phenomenal job of negotiating as much like all all the vaccines that was possible to cover everybody. And there are other countries that are not going to get theirs for probably literally years. And there are people that just don't want it.
0: Right. I don't understand it. Like I fought, I fought and I was up 24 hours a day trying to find a place to get my parents vaccinated. Like, and they were vaccinated back in February. And that Mm -hmm. was because I was just, you know, constantly online calling people, trying to get them in. I finally did. And it was like such a relief. And then I finally got in and my sister finally got in. So that was great because then we could all hang out together. And so, Mm -hmm. and the people who never even masked, you know, a lot of the anti-vaxxers are non-mask wearers anyway. Yes, So we fight that and it's just like, it's, it's crazy down here it really is
1: weren't there a bunch of them though that they want to start wearing masks to protect themselves from the effects of people who had the vaccine or something like that i thought oh, I, I don't saw know somewhere.
0: <laughs> i have seen a lot of uh, like tiktok videos of people who are claiming that the shots have you know they're magnetized shots and you can like put keys on your face or on the, the <laughs> shot <laughs> and they're Did like you- we don't want anybody tracking us and it's like hello you have an iphone the government and everybody on earth is tracking you through your iPhone anyway. Constantly. So don't worry about your stupid vaccine. Just get it. Be healthy. Yes. So don't spread. Just be healthy. And let's get back to a, a normal we can live with.
1: My favorite uh, related to that on TikTok. Somebody did a reaction video. And so they first showed this woman who was like, I tell you, it works. It's a weaker at the beginning of the day. It's stronger at the end of the day. <laughs> and She's sticking a key to her face. And then it switches to this other woman who has like the weariness that all of us have with this kind of nonsense and she's like your face is sticky go wash your face take a shower you're, you're right like go clean yourself you're such an idiot you're the reason why we have warnings on hand dryers <laughs> and i was like yes a hero for us all
0: it's you know and it's sad because it has taken the last probably year and a half to realize that half of the country is not smart half of my country is not smart
1: well i mean it also doesn't help that your leadership was actively working that's what i mean again. yeah like, i mean what do you do and,
0: i don't know i like i'm kind of scared of what's going to happen in a couple of years and we have to go through another election oh yeah so i need you to make adopt a you <laughs> yes please adopt me
1: <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh we need to yes, move out in the country get a yes. bigger house okay build a little I'm bunker plus space for <laughs> you and molly okay that would be great i'm in <laughs> uh-huh okay we'll make that happen Just like in the last few episodes, we want to give another big thank you and a shout out to the people who've been leaving ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It makes us smile every time. It's always so sweet to see what you have to say or to see that there are more people giving us five star ratings. That's uh, like just absolutely warms my heart. And we're especially excited about it because like we said before, the more reviews that there are, the likelier it is that it's going to come up higher as people are searching for queer content. And so Ali Sophie shared, love this podcast, fan of both Chris and Tara separately. So it's really wonderful to find out they have a show together giving queer recommendations. I've bought and read several books from the podcast. All amazing. Thank you so much for all the great content. So thank you, Allie, Sophie. Thank you. So glad you liked it. So glad you're enjoying the content. And the other thing is like, honestly, if you don't want to pull up and write a review with your little thumbs, I get it. That's totally okay. But if you have a friend that you think might like the show, please just tell them about it. Cause that's also great. Like if, if more folks can find the show through word of mouth, that is also a wonderful thing because we all need more awesome queer content all the time.
0: Or just like retweet a lot of our videos, the cute videos that we do that have just a section of, of our actual podcast. Just retweet or share those. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps as well get new yeah. uh, listenership.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Oh, it's listener uh, question time. Listener question time. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So uh, Jamie Hunsacker asked Can you guys talk about the underrepresentation? of trans women main characters or love interests in lesbian fiction so Tara Ugh. we haven't come across many
1: no no it's true
0: and I'm sure there is more that
1: is happening outside of kind of our little realm of lesbian fiction because there really is that like the thing that I've really noticed um is that we have this set of publishers that I think You know, they're putting out world-class books for sure. And that is like the Bold Strokes, the Ilvas, the Bywaters, the Bellas, the Sapphires, all of them. I'm trying to think how to put this. It's almost like its own little walled garden of fiction that was shut out of romance writing very deliberately, which we learned about when uh, the Romance Writers of America, RWA, when they had their gigantic blow up kind of in December of 2019, I think. Yeah, it was around that time. And there were some people who talked about how uh, lesbian writers were very deliberately kept out of there. And so, you know, there had to be this flourishing on its own and like NIAD was a press that was doing its own thing even before that. And so there's like, there's this our little area of publishing. And then there's like the broader romance publishing where there haven't been many lesbian stories at all in mainstream. Like it's happening now more. And we've seen, you know, something to talk about by Meryl Wilsner. I want to say Hang the Moon, but that's the second book and it has a man and a woman together. So Written in the Stars by Alexandria Belfler, which is also a fabulous book. Olivia Waite has put out a few now in her Feminine Pursuits historical series. But there are definitely, like, I haven't come across any there either, except for Roller Girl by Vanessa North, which I haven't read yet, but I've heard really good things about And so I have to think that if there are trans women in lesbian fiction, it's elsewhere in more of like the literary fiction realm. Right. But that's, I don't spend a lot of time in that particular swimming pool, so I don't see it. So I guess, Jamie, what I would say, first of all, is 100% you are correct that there is a massive underrepresentation. We're starting to see some inside characters Jay had one in Wrong Number, Right Woman. I always have to slow down when I say that book title (laughs) because I want to be like, Wrong Woman, Right No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right Woman, Wrong No. No. (laughs) So it's. I think it's the wrong number, right, woman. I hope it is. I'm so sorry, Jay, if you're (laughs) listening. I'm such a jackass. (laughs) Um, But uh, so Heather is a side character in that book. And Jay has said that she's writing a romance for Heather, which I'm quite excited to read. And I know that Jay is very careful uh, when she is writing outside of her lane. And so I am hopeful that she's going to work with some pretty great trans sensitivity readers to turn out an excellent book. But in terms of like, even getting to books that are written by trans women i don't know where they are they're definitely not coming out from our publishers and right. i'm not really sure why i don't know that it's fair for me to say i don't have insight into what the publishers are writing i don't know if it's a welcoming enough and a safe enough space um for the most part i can only really speak kind of from my experience As a genderqueer kind of bisexual, pansexual woman in this space, the genderqueer part doesn't phase anybody. That's no big deal. Every so often where I catch problems is that like bi, pan kind of, and I use the two for myself, I, I feel like either fits equally well for who I am and the people who have a problem with that also tend to be people who are transphobic in our community. And so, while it is a small group, it is occasionally a very vocal group. And so, I guess I question whether trans authors have felt safe here. And I don't know that there has been enough of a deliberate effort on the part of the publishers to try to source more of these books, to try to acquire more and to publish them. I think there is a certain level of openness but to me it's kind of similar to the the whiteness problem that we have right. in our corner of publishing as well because it is very very white and there are some women of color who are writing some black women and latino women but it's been hard because i also know right. black women who have left the lesbic world because of racism mm-hmm. in our in our part of the th- this end of publishing and so i'm trying to figure out how far i want to go with this I I think I think it's something that the publishers need to take a hard look at and see how can we like as as they are trying to be more inclusive right. of black and indigenous people of color how can they also be more inclusive of trans women because their stories are absolutely essential too so I do, I do think the publishers need to Kind of take a hard look at, at their lists and who do they want to be acquiring and how can they go out and specifically make space for that and make sure that they, not only that, but like, do they have editors who are going to be able to right. provide that kind of competent feedback? Because you also want to make sure that there's safety and care throughout the whole process. Unfortunately, I don't know how much is going to change until then. I mean, Karina Adores, which is, uh, they're an LGBTQ imprint of Harlequin. It's not lesbian, but they're finally, they have just announced that they've acquired a romance with a trans, uh, a trans woman leading character, which I think is very exciting. And I hope that we see more of it. So I guess that is my call or challenge back to whoever is doing the, you know, acquiring editors. And if there are any agents or anybody like that that are listening to us, that absolutely, we need more trans women You know, we don't get to where we are now with the rights that queer people have, especially in the U.S. You don't get there without all the work that trans women were doing. For sure. Like trans women of color were at the forefront. And so, yeah, please, more stories. I want to see them. And actually, specifically, if you know of any that you've read, Jamie, or anyone else, if there are any that you can recommend, please send those recommendations in. You can either, you can tweet at us individually or to the podcast um, handle. You can DM us. You can send an email to podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. But I definitely love to read more. So
0: I think that a lot of the publishing companies have really made a forward movement for more diversity. Mm -hmm. I can see that within my own publishing company. And I feel like, at least my editor, Ashley, mm-hmm. she is very aware of everything because she, she worked with kids, queer, quick, queer, queer kids. Boy, that's hard to say. Yeah. Queer kids, you know, yeah. at the school. And so there's a lot. Of, she is very, very good about sensitivity uh, as far as how things are titled, called, represented. Like, sometimes she'll say stuff in my books, like, you can't say that, that you cannot say this. And I'm like, really, mm-hmm. you know, cause it sounds like I could say that, but I think that there are, are, she's also really young too. So she's because of her job and because of who she is, she's like really into mm-hmm. just the whole entire world. And so I feel like, I feel like it's, it's like we're a big machine, you know, how like you're a, a tanker on the ocean and you have to stop and like veer, it's going to yeah. take a little bit of time to stop and to veer into a different direction but i feel like we're getting there. i feel like we will have some more maybe bigger steps into the trans community as far as books and representation and i feel like we're kind of sort of getting there. we're maybe taking steps maybe
1: i'm hoping i think we need to see the publishers actually like well like i said i think we need to see them deliberately seek it out. i know blurborks yeah. has previously published books with trans characters not necessarily Trans women.
0: I can't remember. I know if there, there are a lot of trans, trans men, I, but I cannot yeah, think Dina of trans Hankin. women. Yeah, yeah, Dina Hankins for sure. That years ago, she's been like very supportive and very and has written a lot on uh trans men characters.
1: Yes, which I feel like is almost its own can of worms because. You know, we see that in certain, like, turf spaces where they're very welcoming to trans men talking about how, you know, they, they've basically right. been lied to and bullied into it and blah, 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 which is absolute bullshit. But then, of course, don't want trans women in there be- for their own very turfy, horrible reasons. All of that garbage about wanting to invade women's spaces and whatever, like, 100%, you can miss me with that nonsense because it is not <laughs> a thing. That's not, no, <laughs> fuck off. Just, like, fuck off and then continue fucking off. Um, so I guess in case people haven't noticed, our feminism is very intersectional here and that is important to us. So yes, I want more books. I personally am not sure how to find the best books, the books that, that people love and what they trust. I will also admit that that is an area that I also need to work on because I haven't done as much taking it out as I should. I tend to read what is, uh, what comes to me for review but that is an area that I would like to be better. And so if anybody has recommendations that they'd like okay. to pass on, yeah. one other book that I do recommend that I really loved was femme Confidential by Naren Holtz. It's a Canadian literary takes place in Toronto and one there there are basically three leads in it and one of them we see kind of going through the the transition process as well. And so that's we see before and after. And it's just, it's overall, I forgot how much I love character-driven literary fiction, especially Canadian. There's just this, it just has a really specific vibe. Canadian fiction has a really specific vibe to it that I don't even really know how to lay out. But once you read like five of them, you know what it is. (laughs) It's so good. But hopefully, Jamie, that answers uh, your question. So. On a totally different note, there's something pretty cool happening in our space that we want to give a little shout out for. Jax Meyer is a lesbic author who I know many of you have read and loved, and they're writing a romance film called Grace Note. I think the premise sounds really cute because it's between a lesbian romance author and a non-binary songwriter. And they meet on a dating app, except the songwriter has never actually used the app. So how'd that happen?
0: (laughs) It is. It's now in the crowdfunding phase. So if you want to check out their pitch and send a little funding their way, I'm sure that they would be very appreciative of that.
1: Yes. And we will drop the link in the show notes, uh, which I don't think shows up on Apple Podcasts. But if you go to queerlyrecommended.com, look for episode 15 you will find it there. So, Chris, what (laughs) have you been reading or watching lately?
0: Okay, so first of all, we have to... We all know that I watch a lot of television and a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And since I had a break because I was on vacation, I really had to sit down and write a lot, which means the television was on a lot. (laughs) so i watched a lot this last Uh uh, couple weeks so yes handmaid's tale the finale how was it hope it was there (gasps) i was right all along all along i was right how much cortisol
1: did you dump in your body to get to that moment
0: (laughs) Uh, you know it was like i have been so tense this season because like it's like you expect something bad to happen you know it was Mm -hmm. the terror approach something bad's going to happen something bad's going to happen like the whole time every episode something bad's going to happen yeah and like half the time something bad did happen but a lot of the time this was a a a turning point in the whole series and i felt that like there the hope came through and you know revenge came through and i know so it was good and i think there's i i have to say i have to say that there can really only be one more season of this Mm. Which is good because this is too stressful for me.
1: I think for most people, how many seasons is it so far?
0: Uh, I hate it when you give me things like that because I can (laughs) never remember. I'm going to say it's been four seasons. I could be wrong, but I think it's four seasons. And I think think the next season will, I can't imagine what else is left for them to do.
1: Well, you don't want it to end up in a situation like, do you remember with Lost where they had a clear... They had a clear sense of where they wanted to go with the story, but they didn't know how many seasons they were going to get. So there were like a bunch of seasons of complete bullshit in the middle.
0: Yeah. I stopped after one. I I, th- I was like, Polar Bear, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And here's the deal. A long time ago, television shows used to end at the end of the season. It was mm-hmm. like ending. Boom. There was no cliffhangers. You're just like, ah, I can enjoy my summer, you know, mm-hmm. but now they do these cliffhangers and then you like wish For your summer to go faster so you can get to September, October when Mm -hmm. it picks back up again and you find out if somebody died or not, or whatever the case may be. Uh, So there's been a big change in television over the past 20 years about that. So Mm -hmm. anyway, Handmaid's Tale, watch that. Watch the next episode of Alone. We talked about Mm -hmm. that last time. So that's a a weekly thing. So we're just seeing people quit the show. (laughs) Um,
1: Did you expect the people who quit to quit?
0: No! This last one, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" This person built a shelter that I would live in every day. It was like <laughs> amazing, and I'm just like, "This dude's gonna win because this is everything. His mm-hmm. shelter is amazing." So why did he quit? Because uh, he missed his family. Like the whole point about being alone is not just physical. Mm-hmm. You know, being alone. You know, the whole mental aspect of it. You know, like oh, yeah. I miss my family. I miss You can't my build family. hugs. Yeah, you can't build hugs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the tree thing. You know, I'm gonna. If I, well, we decided that I can't do alone. I would only last like two days.
1: Well, you decided. But... I'm not gonna hold you back from your dreams. <laughs> it's
0: not my dream, but I do like. I have made enough forts as a child in the mm-hmm. Black Forest where I grew up. I have made enough forts. I think I could actually come up with a decent structure, but I would be worthless on food gathering. I'd be horrible. So I need to be a team. I need to have a teammate to like go, you know, hunt and gather food, and I will like build the hut. Build the I, structure.
1: I feel like since you referenced the Black Forest, that there's some kind of a Hansel and Gretel joke in there somewhere. I probably, just can't quite, I can't figure <laughs> out how to construct it.
0: Well, you know, I had to say Black Forest because that's that's it was the Black Forest. Was, that's so freaking cool. Yeah, I, I forget um,
1: sometimes that you please. grew up in Germany. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, so I didn't have a normal. So that's probably why I watch TV so much because I didn't have a grown-up. I'm gonna go with that. But, oh, yeah, um, you got
1: to make up for lost time. i all making up for the first, that, yeah. you know,
0: 12 years of my life.
1: Get all that <laughs> screen time back in that you never got.
0: <laughs> I know. Let's see, I also watched the second season of Black Summer because I'm desperate for zombie content. And it's not even really that good. It wasn't mm-hmm. bad. It was. I watched the second season, so the first season was just kind of lame. But it was enough to keep me interested.
1: Okay.
0: Because if a show is, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, if it's a 4, I'm out. But if it's five and above, I'll watch it just because I'm desperate for it. Okay. So I watched that season. And of course, I still watch Catfish. And I love that show. And I still can't fucking believe that people get catfished today. So like, is, it a, is it like know?
1: a reality show?
0: What? Do you not know it. Catfish? No. Come on. Oh, my dear God. Okay. Educate so me. <laughs> I'm going to educate you. So a long, long time ago, this guy he, Neve is his name, he did a documentary for film school or school or something a long time ago, a long, long time mm-hmm. ago, where he met somebody online. And he wanted to record his journey of like, the relationship of meeting this person online, the relationship he had with her, the pictures, everything to document him actually going to meet her. And it turned out to be a totally different person. It wasn't the person that you know, whose pictures he saw every day, Mm -hmm. it was something it was totally different. So it's basically so he built this show, this MTV show called Catfish. And it's for people who write into the show and say, Hey, I'm in love with this person. I've been in love with them for X amount of years, months, whatever. And for some reason, they can never FaceTime, but here are their photos and here are numbers. They always say, Oh, we can't meet because my car broke down. Uh, my grandma's in the hospital so like all these excuses and so what neve and cammy does i love cammy what Mm -hmm. what they do is they take all this information and they try to find out you know who the person is on the the catfish who the catfish is and sometimes it ends up to be a normal person and it's a real relationship sort of uh and the like reasons were sort of Mm semi-legitimate and then sometimes it's like completely different and they're talking to like this you know 20 year old man's talking to an you know 70 year old woman like it's maybe not 70 but it was like 65 year old woman and like and and she had been using like her daughter's pictures or something and it's always something like that and so they have there's a lot of queer representation on that show a lot of couples are gay like they want each yeah so it's 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 very interesting and during pride month of course they had several episodes where you know, it was a man talking to maybe another man. So you just never know who you're talking to. So it's very interesting. And so anyway, so I love Catfish. I'll watch it, even though I still can't believe that people don't Google search or like look at addresses or phone numbers. I mean, they'd show you how to do it on the show. Anyway, so I love Catfish. That's what I've been doing. So enough about me <laughs> going on and on about all these shows I'm watching. Those okay. uh, are you? What have uh, you been uh, reading and watching this past couple of weeks?
1: Bunch of stuff. So we are Neil and I are watching with a friend Amanda. We're still doing that thing where we, uh, you know, hop on on a call. And we start a show at the same time. And the show we're doing that with right now is Loki, mm. which has been so good. It's on Disney Plus. To me, of all the TV series that they've been putting out this year, this is probably my favorite. I would say it's like oh. Loki, then WandaVision, then Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier, but It has this really great, like 60s mod kind of vibe to the whole, like the whole aesthetic of it. And then in the third episode, somebody asks Loki about his romantic past. And he basically said that there were no great loves, but that there were both men and women in it. So I was like, yes, canonically queer, (laughs) wonderful. And which I also think though, it's like, I mean, of course, Loki is queer. Like, of of all the Marvel ones. To me, he's the one that makes the most sense (laughs) that would be pansexual, I think. Because, I don't know. Because he's Loki.
0: Yeah, why not? (laughs) Is he (laughs) a demigod or is he a god? He calls himself a god.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he rounded up (laughs) as it
0: were. We all do. We all lie on our resumes. Right? I'm a god. (laughs) I'm gonna Google it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah but i'm trying to think like who else from who else from the marvel especially like the mcu like the cinematic universe who else do you think would be queer i feel like maybe vision
0: um i'm thinking i'm thinking about this
1: i don't know technically any of them could but
0: yeah i mean black widow would be nice right (laughs) i mean if we're asking well sure well
1: then in that case also scarlet witch (laughs) would also be very nice
0: (laughs) so so yeah so i think i think as the movies progress and stuff maybe we'll see more relationships that are queer with the superheroes and villains in our world not really our world but the movie world Yes,
1: I hope so. Uh, so yes, enjoying that very, very much. I think the writing is really strong. There's got to be some sort of like a big twist there. But basically the idea is that Loki has kind of fucked up the timeline. And so he's been arrested by the time. Police? I can't remember what they're called, but they're effectively <laughs> the time police. Yeah, exactly. And they say, you know what, maybe we can get you to help us because they're tracking Basically, it's like if somebody steps off of their timeline and are going to start a new timeline, they're called a variant because it's like that person is a variant from the main person in the main timeline. And they're tracking a specific variant who's killing some of the time cops and who's killing them. It's another version of Loki. So they think who better to help catch than Loki. Right. But there's gotta be, I don't know, I just feel like there's gotta be some kind of a massive twist in there, and I don't know what it is yet, and I'm waiting to see it, but in the meantime, thank you whoever made the choice to have him say that line, because it was one line, but it felt really good to see, Um, and especially someone that prominent in the series.
0: And remember, uh, what was it, last podcast, I talked about Ragnarok, where both Mm -hmm. were there as teenagers, Thor and Loki are teenagers, and he really Loki at that time is when he starts like experimenting and and learning about his sexuality and so anyway I just want to nice. that Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh so we are watching that. Also, I got to say I love the back to back like just going from season to season of RuPaul's Drag Race. So Drag Race Australia ended that whole season wow. was kind of garbage unfortunately. It was not the best and i think it's maybe one of the worst seasons Ah, i've ever seen it was so weird it was it was almost like you could really see they just decided from the beginning who the top four were going to be and so there was a bunch of stuff in between that made no sense like bringing back granted she's probably one of the strongest drag queens in australia but like she lost the snatch game which is one of the really big it's like they all dress up as celebrities and do like celebrity impersonations based off of the match game show And she did it like it was rotten. It was so bad. It was so bad. And she deserved to go home. She didn't lip sync very well. And then they just brought her back like a couple weeks later, like, hello, she's back. And it was like, why? No explanation. And it was like, "Uh, oh, okay. Um, And so, yeah, that season kind of sucked. But luckily it ended. And then the following week, All Stars season six started. And they released two episodes in the first week, which was fabulous. And I wasn't sure when I saw all the queens that were announced. There were somewhere I was like, really? Her?
0: That one? I saw something where what? they had like the Brady Bunch drag queen.
1: Oh, that's. Was that a, a diff- promo for it or what no, was? No, that? that's, although some of them are in this. Not all of them, though, like only two, like Kylie Sonic Love and Ginger Minge, I think are in that unless i'm forgetting wrong and maybe ginger Minja isn't in it but yeah at least one of them is no they're paramount plus who owns the drag race franchise now like they're making the new seasons of it okay. um they're doing this thing where it's like dragging the classics and so they have a bunch of drag queens in that playing brady Bunch characters but then they have like one of the old one of the brothers from the original series i think is playing the dad and then I think they oh, wow. pull in one of the other guys who played one of the brothers to play one of the brothers or something like that. It's, I don't know. It's very odd. It looks like fun. I'm going to see if I can find okay. it in Canada. I don't know if I can. I don't think we have Paramount Plus here. Um, but yeah, no. So far, All-Star Season 6, despite being a little skeptical, a few of the queens they brought in, super fun so far. I'm really God. loving it and the lip sync at the end of episode two for me was absolutely iconic i was clapping i was cheering it was (laughs) phenomenal it was so good i'm very excited about i hope uh i hope the season continues to be this fun because i feel like it makes up for a lot of what i was grumpy about with (laughs) with australia and (laughs) even some of the last uh season in terms of gaming still playing stardew valley of course and last time i was talking about is my character gonna marry abigail or emily i wasn't sure but she married abigail the little Ah, little, hair girlfriend yes they got married they adopted a baby who does nothing but sleep still and abigail is like have you spent any time with the baby today and i'm like the baby's sleeping i'm gonna go and kill some monsters in the (laughs) caves and do some mining (laughs) And then I'll come back and play, mommy. And then I'll come back. Thank you for asking. And then, lastly, I have been reading "Change of Plans" by KJ. Now, KJ is one of our indie authors in the space. She, you know, she's a great author. Also writes fabulous reviews that are just beautiful. But this book I'm enjoying quite a lot, and it has the two leads are Emily, who's an architect, and Sky, who is a bike messenger. And it really is kind of the like the title basically kind of says what it is on the tin. Like it's kind of that idea of you can't plan everything in your life. Things are going to change and how are you going to deal with it? And so Emily is super uptight and very, very regimented and can't really deal with things going off schedule. And I believe has some kind of a mental health problem, which is fine. She regularly sees a therapist. Like she's, trying to work on it very actively all the time um but unfortunately she walks into her own home to find her girlfriend who is does not live there fucking someone else on her table and so that definitely represented a massive change in her own life plans and so her therapist kind of challenges her to like get a little more spontaneous with her life and then there's sky who is the other character she's a bike messenger she finds out that she's gonna to have to leave because her landlord has sold the place um and she's trying to find somewhere to live and you know i believe it all takes place in melbourne and it's quite expensive there and she's like where the hell am i gonna live and the the person she had been renting space from knows emily and was like oh emily you have this little guest house on your property what if you Convenient. rented it out <laughs> right and emily's like Ooh this represents a change in my life and it's spontaneous (laughs) but my therapist told me to be spontaneous sure fine okay I'll rent it out and of course attraction ensues and I'm not quite I think I'm about halfway through so I'm really hoping it's going to stick the landing but the thing that I love about this book especially and I haven't really read much else by KJ I just know that like a lot of people really love her books because you know like I said earlier I am reading for review most of the time and most of the time it's like choosing from the books that are coming to me i have enough books coming to me that i don't have a lot of time to go out and seek out other books but i'm really glad i read this one because the chemistry is so good nice oh my god she is so good at chemistry writing like i just i'm just like okay okay go make out now oh you're not (laughs) gonna do that yet okay okay how about now? (laughs) kiss her oh oh she just kissed her on the cheek but wow, it went really well. Okay, kiss her again. Like it's so good. It's so good. So I really uh I'm really hopeful that I'm gonna enjoy this one up to the end because good. it's great so far. And the aggregate rating on Goodreads is actually real high. So oh wow. It's in the like four and a half star range, which is
0: that's yeah. hard to do on Goodreads. Right? Goodreads. Whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. So I'm pretty hope I I'm hopeful. Nice. Good. So Chris, what yes. is your official recommendation for this week?
0: OK, so uh, my official recommendation is in 2015, a book came out called Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, Homo uh-huh. Sapiens Agenda. And it was a book written by uh, Becky Albertalli, and it was made into a movie in 2018, and it was retitled Love, Simon. Uh-huh. And like that book is still like on Amazon's top, you know, 10 list. It's been yeah. uh, been around forever. And uh, it was a just a, kind of like a super cute coming out story with a teenager, uh, Simon. He gets on a local popular messaging place and uh, reads a message about another teenager who is afraid to come out. And then Simon's like, well, I'm gay, too. And so they kind of have this cute little back and forth online and they don't know who, the, who they are. And so basically, that is not my recommendation. I mean, it's a good movie, <laughs> but that's not my recommendation. So my recommendation is actually kind of an offshoot from this movie, and it's a series on Netflix. There's two seasons, and it's called Love, Victor.
1: All right. Tell me more. So, it about? Okay,
0: so here's the description of it. Victor is a new student at Creekwood High School on his own journey of self-discovery, facing challenges at home, adjusting to a new city, and struggling with his sexual orientation. So Victor Salazar is the main character, and he reaches mm-hmm. out to Simon from Love, Simon, because years before, Simon actually went to that high school, to Creekwood High, and he's kind of he's kind of passive-aggressive, like sending him a message, He, you know, how messenger, you can pretty much send a message to anybody on any mm-hmm. social media platform, mm-hmm. and so he does, and he's like, you know, I think it's, I'm really happy that you had this great coming out story, and your family was extremely supportive but I also hate you because I'm not having the same experience you know his heteronormative Catholic family is kind of like pushing him maybe you'll have a girlfriend at the school maybe you'll have a girlfriend and so he does he 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 actually finds this really great girl and he dates her and he kind of feels butterflies but he's not sure because then he sees Benji who's the one like gay student at the school and it's like Mm -hmm. more than butterflies when he sees benji so he's trying to figure things out and during this whole time he has text message exchange with simon who does make an appearance in the actual series as well so Mm -hmm. uh, i i thought i mean it's great because it, it focuses not Just on Victor's self discovery, but also his quirky friends and you know their problems and situations, and like parents who are like you know not perfect—they're kind of hot mess parents. You know, different families, and so it 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 goes beyond just the relationship of Victor. And so, if you like these family stories with queer rep, then I recommend this series because it covers everything. It really does. There's—it's not all happy. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, sad thing, not sad things, but just, like, real life. Like, this happened, and this is how we're dealing with it. And this happened, and this is how we're dealing with it. So, it's just a good way to just kind of decompress from the day and just kind of watch this show. And he's absolutely adorable. Like, Victor, he goes to these gay bars, and, you know, they he sneak him in because he's, like, at the beginning of the series, he's 15, and he just turned 16. So when he's 16, he ends up, you know, going, sneaking off to New York to, to hang out with Simon and they take him to this gay bar in New York. And like, he is like, just, everybody's like all over him. You're adorable. And you just know that once he like hits, you know, his coming of age, he's just going to explode and just be so successful at life and love and happiness and everything. And you just, Mm -hmm. you know, this is going to happen. So you want to be on the journey with him. So I really enjoyed the series
1: that sounds super cute um really, really cute do you think it's a good thing for parents to watch if they have like older kids to watch with them
0: yes i do i think so but there are some scenes that are pretty like i was kind of taken aback and you know me i mean i can watch mm-hmm. anything so <laughs> a couple of scenes i was like ha you know and the parents handle the situation really well i think if parents are progressive enough you know and they do have queer teens for sure this could be watched by everybody yeah i think the i think it's pg-14 yeah i used to say 13 because that's what movies are but i think this is pg-14 okay so yes i think older older teens i think would be could watch this i mean i don't know that do parents watch i don't know series with (laughs) teens i i i Uh, I never saw my parents from 13 to 18 i never saw my parents (laughs) so i i don't know maybe we would have watched i don't know but i was upstairs in my room the whole time
1: yeah my kids aren't old enough for that yet um so i i personally don't know i don't know i used to watch a lot of stuff with my mom because my my dad would like go camping for the weekend with my brothers and so my mom and i would like watch a lot of stuff together
0: like my mom and i watched like we'll watch movies together but we watch we watch more movies now than we did growing up and i think like I'd stay up and watch like Night Rider and Miami Vice with my parents. Oh, um, Love Boat and Fantasy Island. I think those mm-hmm. were ones that I watched with my parents. But
1: how is that possible? You're 34.
0: I know. I was like a baby. You know, <laughs> spent some time with the baby. And so that's, and I remember that. That's right. <laughs> when, you know, they spent time with the baby that <laughs> I got to see that. Or maybe it was reruns. I don't know. But either way. who can say. Know, they didn't, right. They didn't have anything really that, you know, obviously it was queer when no. I was a kid on television, not at all. So, well,
1: uh, I mean, Miami vice, they just didn't admit it. <laughs> that,
0: there's that. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So enough about mine. I, I think it's a, I think it's a super cute series and it's on Netflix. So I recommend it for just killing time and watching something that has a little bit of angst, but mm-hmm. you know, is a feel good show. What about you? What is your big recommendation this week?
1: i decided for a couple of reasons to dip back into an old favorite this time the first is that if i'm being honest that pfizer vaccine really kicked my ass i didn't do a lot of uh yeah it was uh yeah the brain fog was real with that vaccine i was not reading i was not doing well but also Something I noticed recently in talking with a lot of not just colleagues at work, but also friends that work in other industries is that I've noticed it's almost like people are hitting another COVID wall again. And I don't know if it's like fear about the Delta variant because I know a lot of other parents that don't have their kids vaccinated. And I just thought, let's just go for a good old comfort read. And I started reading it again last night and just fell in love all over again with Didn't Stay in Vegas by Chelsea M. Cameron.
0: And so people who have
1: been paying attention since the beginning or who have joined us later, but went back to the beginning will recognize the name because Chelsea Cameron's book who we could be is in the second episode it was my first ever full-on recommendation because that was also a comfort read and we were definitely needing those back in January Um, similar to this one it is a friends to lovers I especially love Chelsea Cameron's friends to lovers books those are my very favorites but the thing that I appreciate is that each one there's a different spin on the friends to lovers scenario and so for who we could be they were already deeply in love with each other and just had no idea. They didn't know. Everybody else around them knew. And it was just watching these two sweet dummies figure it out <laughs> <laughs> in this reinterpretation of Anne of Green Gables, which also, fun fact, so my friend Stacy, who I referenced before, she's the one who's like, you have to read Becky Chambers. How have you not gonna I read it yet? I'm going to stab you if you don't read it. And I read it and I loved it. I believe it was Stacey who was telling me that she went back to reread some of the Anne books and was like, oh yeah, it reads as like, their relationship reads as hella queer. Like It uh, was possibly not deliberately so. It's hard to say. I mean, Lucy Montgomery has not been with us for a long time, but I was kind of glad to hear that uh, because that was a really fun reinterpretation of that book, but didn't stay in Vegas is different. Um, so we have these two best friends. One of them is Callan and Callan is the narrator. I believe all or most of Chelsea Cameron's books are written in the first person. So similar to you, which is actually probably part of why I like reading both of your books. (laughs) Well, with this particular one, Callan wakes up very opening scene. She wakes up in a hotel, in an unfamiliar hotel room in Vegas to find she has glitter all over her junk and she's like what the fuck is going on in a dress that she doesn't recognize and there's somebody else there and she's like who the hell is that and it's her best friend Emma and kind of as the morning progresses they find a piece of paper that says that they got married the night before and they're very much opposites attract Callum does not have her shit together at all I once saw a meme that was like not only are my I I don't have ducks That are in a row. I have squirrels and they're in a rave. Like, that's Callan (laughs) a hundred percent. But then there's Emma, who is incredibly dependable. And so Callan's like, Well, obviously we have to get this annulled because what the fuck? And so uh Emma's like, Yep, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And then they get back, and a couple weeks later, Callan's like, So did you take care of it? And she was like, I was thinking, what if we just stayed married for a while? And then it's like you sort of watch that. And you watch some other stuff happening. And you're like, oh, Callan is a useless lesbian. And I know there are some people that don't know what that means. But like the useless lesbian is very much a thing where it is a lesbian who has no idea that someone is attracted to her and like very, very attracted to her. Like it is very obvious that Emma is in love with Callen and Callan has no fucking idea <laughs> And so you kind of just see this progression in the relationship. And also there's sometimes where I just wanted to shake Callum because she's like, can we cuddle now? And I'm like, what? Friends don't do that. I'm sorry. No, friends, friends don't, not that much. Friends don't cuddle that much. No, no, sometimes,
0: but not that much. Yeah.
1: Not typically. And these were not friends with benefits, by the way, like these are just not. And so And then Callan has to, like, she gets evicted, so she ends up in with Emma. And you just kind of see this, like, it all has to come to a head at some point. Um, And it does, and it's beautiful, and it's fun. The chemistry also is very good in this book. The sex scene, when it finally happens, I think is the best one that this author has written. And it's just, it's very good. So yes, this book is hilarious. It's very cute. There is no angst. It's the ultimate comfort read. You might want to throttle Callan sometimes, but she's just, (laughs) she's very well meaning. She has a very good heart. She just has no clue that her best friend is in love with her. And it's perfect. That happens.
0: Yeah. That happens.
1: It does. I love it very much. That is my recommendation. (laughs) Good. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody who has joined us. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast. Or like we said earlier, if you could please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, we would be very, very grateful. Or even better, like I said, if you have uh, anyone in your life that you think would like this show, please just tell them about it. Because we would love to reach more folks who are looking for good queer media recommendations.
0: Yes. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, Just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. La, 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 recording la, 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 is in progress and
1: yeah so you're kicking it off i did not sneak in any i thought about it i was like what if it's just sneaks something in that you ignore <laughs> i am chris bryant
0: noted uh, astronaut uh, let you know like something <laughs> like that okay i'll say i'll say it i'll do it it's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs>
1: Just see if people <laughs> notice. Oh uh. my god, you're killing me. <laughs> uh, okay. That's a That's good way to start, set. right? It is.